so my lesson was that healing is not one modality. So some people get stuck in the rut of just going down one pathway and they go back and they go back and they go back and they go back. But for me, healing, we are so, uh, what would you call it? Multidimensional, I would call it. We have an energy field. We have a human Mm. body. We have cells. We have a, a, a skeletal structure. We have thoughts that change the way our cells behave. We are so complex and there's so many aspects of the self. You are entering the Age Rebels Revolution. The intelligent podcast for over 40s who want to live their best life and defy your numbers. We are your hosts, Summer Bentley and Isaac Xavier. Come on in. Today we are going to be discussing and exploring and then concluding on the three biggest healing moments, events, and learnings that Tink and I have experienced in our decades of existence on this amazing planet. And the best thing about each of these, we've chosen our three best healing experiences, but all three of them, I don't know about you, but all three of mine were completely unexpected. Yes, actually. They were, they came completely out of the blue. That was what was so wonderful about them. Just like, wow, yesterday I had this perception of the world. Today I have a completely different perception. Very, very true. So let's go with your first one because it's a banger. Yeah, so I moved to Hong Kong in 1990 and I was helped by some people to begin setting up my business. They ran an organization called 1997 that was two restaurants and a nightclub. And they invited me to work on the front door of their nightclub. And I'd done that through college. I thought, yep, easy peasy. Then one night, it was a very, very busy night. And picture this, it's a laneway where you could just get a big car down. It was all cobblestones nightclubs lining each side of the street, restaurants. And I was working with this amazing Russian woman. She looked like something straight out of a Bond movie. And she was kind of like my bouncer because she was an ex-wrestler, Russian ex-wrestler, and she was so strong. She could put two fingers inside a champagne glass and just and smash the glass, just open it. (laughs) We could take that in a lot of directions. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we could. Um, So mine's just gone elsewhere. All I can say say is ouch. (laughs) (laughs) I know. But I could not beat her in an arm wrestle with both arms. Wow. And she was an absolute stunner. So I always felt very safe. I know it sounds funny. But um, one night she wasn't on, so it was just myself. And... It all started to go down when the crowd rushed the front door and they're trying to push in. And this nightclub was only a tiny, it was like a tiny little place. You could fit maybe a hundred people in there. And I was just trying to calm everything down. And these two girls walked right up to me and they just had, oh, the most ashen white, uh, two Cantonese girls, and they were just, you could almost feel the darkness, the vibe coming from them. And they tried to push straight past me like it didn't even exist. And I said, hey, 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 you know, there's a line. They started screaming at me and yelling at me in Cantonese and then swearing at me in English. And and I said, whoa, it's just a nightclub, just cool your jets. And then all of a sudden I felt this smack on the back of my head like someone hit me with a brick and it was this guy had hit me with one of those old that were new then Motorola brick phones (laughs) and they were bricks (laughs) and I I was like what is going on I'm like dude what was that all about and he's like getting angry at me and a little bit known to me I didn't realize that the guy that actually used to work in the club before me was this big bother boy and he loved to get into punch-ups and he was aggressive and I think they were just taking all this out on me. And so I just said, let's everyone calm down. So the two girls walked off, let a few people in. Then they came back and they were just nasty, screaming. They were trying to hit me, trying to push me. I thought, wow, this is, something's wrong, the full moon or something. And I said to them, hey, as long as I am on the front door of this nightclub, you will never come in 
this is just uncool. And that was a big mistake. They walked off and then some more people tried to push in and then bang, I get hit in the head again by this guy. And I thought, this guy's a ninja. I didn't see him coming again. Now, you didn't react to either of those. No. No, no. The first was, yeah, I've got a really hard head. You know, I fell off a 10-meter cliff when I was 10 years old and got brain damage, but my skull didn't break. Wow. <laughs> that is a hard head. <laughs> my parents used to tell me I would, I would be um, playing football and I'd smack through a pack and it'd be like a bowling ball. And they'd, be, you know, like kids would be all minutes knocked out and I'd smack them with my head. Did you your know? mum eat eggshells when she was pregnant? <laughs> <laughs> well, the surgeon, the, the, the uh, orthopedic surgeon that saw her when she got hit by a car once and got smacked onto the road when she was 76, uh, 75. And she, uh, he said, have your bones made of titanium? Most people would shatter and she didn't break. She got a slight. Good genetics. So you're at the door, you've been hit in the head the second time. Second time. And I tried to use humor. And I said to this guy, I said, Hey, does your mother know you're out doing these silly things? Come on. (laughs) We're all friends here. Now, worst thing, because you do not want to, because it's like mocking them. They oh, saw it and it's like, then it's like losing face. And this guy was like. And oh, you didn't know any of this about their culture at this point? No, no. So I, um, you know, the second time I thought, yeah, that stung a little bit. And then I just settled everyone down. And then these two girls came back and they were just staring at me. They weren't, they just came up to the front door and just give me the death stare and then there's other kerfuffle and they're trying to distract me and this was like something out of a silly movie and then the guy hits me again oh so this is number three number three oh and people listening probably think are you blind didn't you see him but this guy it was like they had this strategy of trying to distract me so they could just get in and that time i went okay that one kind of hurt so i just said right that's it door closed and everyone go away no one's getting in for the next 10 minutes so went inside closed the door it was a glass door and the guy came up to the door and looked me directly in the eye and gave me that fingers across, finger across the throat. Like as slit in, your throat. I'm going to cut your throat. And I just got this ugh, feeling in my stomach. I thought, ooh, I've worked on clubs before and it's the quiet ones that just give you that. They don't yell and scream. They're the danger. They're, they're the ones that come back with five mates and machetes. My science teacher told me that I was the quiet one that he needed to look out for. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, stealth tink. (laughs) So back to the story. So I then opened the door after 10 minutes and there was a guy, American guy that ran the front door of a club across the laneway. And he said, come over here. He's gesturing to come over. And I was, okay. And he said, you need to go straight to the airport and go home to Australia now. And I went, well, he said, there's a hit out on you. I went, okay, you've been watching a few too many of your movies. You know, I said, what do you mean? He said, there's, there's a hit out. Are you going to get killed tonight? And I went, okay, this is ridiculous. And he said, you know, the girls who you didn't let in and you said, I said, how do you know this? He said, it's gone around. It's like, it's a small place. Said, so when you said that you are not going to come into the club, they're just like, it's okay, we have you killed. Simple as that. And it turned out one of the girls was the daughter of the head triad who ran Macau's casinos. And a lot of Australian people would actually know their name, but I won't mention them. Yeah, they're quite famous. And I was like, what? And these people have no respect for life. I did an acting course for a while and one of the stunt guy came and he had cuts all like all of these scars all over his arms and he was a top martial artist I said what happened he said I got attacked by triads but luckily I know how to defend myself and they use knives there's no guns or anything they just use knives and I'm sitting there thinking okay I'm just gonna go home in a body bag cut to pieces and I was as naive as all get up I was 28 years old so I went back stood across there and I was like "Mm, nah and the guy's just dragged me across and he said come here come here said, I'm serious. Have a look at all the guys at the bottom of the laneway. Who are they staring at? I'm like, okay, yeah, me. And he said, the top of the laneway? Yep, me. He said, so I'm serious. And I thought, well, there's no way I can get home unless, you know, I'm going to be able to call a helicopter to drop down and pick me up. And I was just really getting, at that moment, I thought, had this feeling of dread. I thought, oh, geez. And I just got this sinking feeling and I thought, oh, my poor mum, she's going to be so upset when I come home in a body bag 
cut to pieces. And then I had this, I was, like I said, I was naive and I said, oh, no, I'm a good person. Universe, God, whatever, look after me. I'll be okay. And then the, one of the managers, he was a Cantonese guy, introduces me to this stocky rhino of a, of a guy. He was un- unusual for the Cantonese. They're quite small, but he was only about five foot five, but, you know, really solid. And he looked me in the eye and he, he held out his hand for me to shake it. And in his hand was a $300 Hong Kong, in Hong Kong money note, which was $50 back then. And he just said something in Cantonese and then bowed his head slightly and then walked off. And I said to, to the manager, Joe, I said, what was that all about? What did he say? And he said, what he said was, because you showed honor, you are now safe. And I said, what, what? And he said, everyone in the nightclub, everyone knew about this. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, normally, and that's when he told me about the guy, the, the front door guy they'd, they'd had, this English guy, ex-rugby player, and he'd love to punch on. And because, he said, because you didn't react in violence and you were just played it really cool, it's like this, you know, honor amongst thieves, it's, it's all good. And I thought, wow, I came like a nano bit close to getting like dead. And it was such a, a revelation to me. I thought, A, I was, yes, I was a little bit naive, but also at the end of the day to be holding to my principles. And I'd been working with a psychologist, um, this amazing psychotherapist, soul-centered guy in Hong Kong at the time. And he had really confronted me about, there was one word he said I wasn't facing. And what it came down to, he said, you're not willing to take responsibility, like full, raw, 100% responsibility for your life. And that was a few days before this happened. And I thought, yes, and I worked on it. And I think that really did have an effect where I didn't react. I'm like, no, I'm responsible for me. If I reach out and want to punch this guy or have a go at these girls or whatever, I'm not going to feel good about myself. I'm going to, if I, when I wake up tomorrow, I'm going to feel good about the fact that I took responsibility to respond rather than react. So that's my Hong Kong story. Yeah. That's really interesting that the healing came from an ex, an experience, yeah. not from a medical intervention or, and that is, that is a really mm. powerful thing. And I think that is mm. something that people need to consider when it comes to healing. It's not always a medicine or a tablet or a pill or, or even a treatment. Sometimes yeah. it's just being present enough to take the lesson from an experience as traumatic as that. And that in itself is a healing, an emotional healing. Yeah. We love sharing this podcast and we love it even more when you share it with your friends. So, What's yours? Well, one of my favourite one. ones, it, it starts with a little eat, pray, love moment. Mm-hmm. And my best friend at the time and I, we decided to go on a little experience in Bali. We were there for a wedding and it was a beautiful, beautiful wedding. And then we thought, let's get a driver for the day and see if we can find this katut that was in the movie. Oh, really? And we got straight there and we were taken straight there. But the driver was a little bit hesitant about taking us there. And I'm like, why Why the hesitancy? And he said, oh, look, much better healer, much better healer, somewhere else, much better healer. I take you, you go, but mm-hmm. I take you. Mm-hmm. So we were open, just being open to new experiences and not being so rigid about it must be this. So we thought, okay, let's have an adventure. So we went and saw Kutut, and it is on YouTube. I can put the link in the notes, my reading with Kutut, the original guy from Eat, Pray, Love. He even gave us the letter from Elizabeth Gilbert to read him. He gets everyone to do it, mm-hmm. and we all had the same reading. You will live to 101 you're very, very pretty. And it was the same for pretty like much a, all like, like a script. Pretty much. Yes. And I mean no disrespect. Sure. I just I, yeah. I he was beautiful, divine, such a lovely man. And he was so happy. So what I got out of that experience was his joy for life. And he did live to over a hundred, actually, but he was just so joyful. And it was true, you know, in the movie where the lady was quite grumpy. 
that was that was weird. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah she was yeah. going grumpy. Um, it wasn't a hundred percent that extreme, but it was similar. Mm-hmm. So it was a beautiful experience. Say, hey, I had my moment, mm-hmm. but this guy was raking it in, and I'm so happy for him that he was because he'd been a healer for many years. But after that was the most unexpected, profound experience of my life that really did shift my entire perspective about who I was, who I was being and where I was going in life. And this cab driver took us to a man in the middle of nowhere. I can't even tell you where in Bali we were, which is an adventure in itself. Mm -hmm. But we walk into this environment that was a whole bunch of Balinese huts and a central space that's one of those roofed open spaces. And there was a whole bunch of people laying on the ground and there was this one master a master healer and all of these people had flown in from all over the world to learn from this guy and all they did was they had I don't know if you've ever seen one of those wooden cuticle for your nails oh, you yeah, know, yeah. they're wooden they're, they're kind of a point on one end and oh, slanted yeah. on the other and you push Ooh. your cuticles yeah, back yeah. in a manicure well he sort of had one of those it wasn't that but it looked like that and you lay on the ground and he would press on parts of your toes And he would just feel into your energy and he would give you feedback. And honestly, it was one of the most painful things I've ever had done was you just, the, you wouldn't believe that these little tiny micro areas of your toes could be so sensitive. Mm. So he would find the most sensitive where you'd literally nearly leap off the, the floor and he would keep pressing on it and he would do a healing on you, an energy healing on you on mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And then he would go back and check the spaces and I could not believe there was no pain there at all, nothing, no sensitivity after he did this healing. Wow. And of all the people that were in the room, he called me over to sit at his feet and I'm pretty back then yeah. naive and ego mm-hmm. and I'm like, I'm not sitting at someone's feet. And, but something came over me. When he said to me, look at that book up there on the bookshelf that is 1,000 years old, and I was suddenly just thrust into Mm. this space of being humble. I was so humbled by a book because it was 1,000 years old. It had 1,000-year-old wisdom for healing, for healing the human body and the energy field. And this book that I didn't even touch or go near just humbled me immediately. So I went and sat at his feet And he said, I am the grandson of the Ubud king and I have been gifted this this, Mm -hmm. um, healing ability. And he said, I see you as a healer. And he said, you will do many courses, but you will bring them together in your lifetime and create one. Mm. So I was overwhelmed and not really knowing my direction in life, not really feeling special in any way, just really uncertain. I thought there's no way that this could be real. Having had just Mm. come off the back of an experience where we all got told the same thing. I was the only person to be sat at his feet Mm. and told this. So he reeled off the exact courses I would do and that I need to bring them together and create a new healing using all of these methodologies, which I have done in my coaching. And then it's only on reflection that I remember he said that to me. So my lesson was that healing is not one modality. So some people get stuck in the rut of just going down one pathway and they go back and they go back and they go back and they go back. But for me, healing, we are so, uh, what would you call it? Multidimensional, I would call it. We have an energy field. We have a human Mm. body. We have cells. We have a, a, a skeletal structure. We have thoughts that change the way our cells behave. We are so complex and there's so many aspects of the self that for me, it's been really important to be able to follow my nose and go to what I feel a gravitational pull towards with healing and not get caught in the the box of just doing the same thing, going to the same chiropractor all the time, reach out and explore other possibilities and see how they may complement each other yeah. in your healing, whether it's mental, physical. I mean, they all mm. interlink, right, anyway. Sure. So, you know, look for the opportunities to be able to bridge the gap between different modalities rather than being really one-eyed about a specific thing. So I just want to drop that. Or plant that mm. seed for people to consider. And in, in a multidisciplinary um, environment where 
you've got a number of practitioners all in under the one roof. And I've seen places where the patient gets put first and then everyone discusses and everyone has their point of view and everyone contributes. And it's not just here is, I have the physio, chiro, acupuncture, whichever's the way. No, let's all work together because- I love, I would love a world where that was the case. Now, I recently went to a doctor that I respect greatly Mm -hmm. and I lost respect for him. He's a Western medicine doctor when he said to me, I I said to him, I would like these particular blood tests because I am going to work with a naturopath alongside you Mm. to- look into a couple of areas that I'd like to explore with my health. Now, there's yeah. nothing wrong necessarily. I just mm-hmm. want to optimise my health. And he shook his head and said some really negative things about naturopathy. Now, naturopathy focuses on nutritional medicine. Western medicine generally, as a rule, does two weeks of nutrition and it is mm-hmm. the fuel of the body. So for me, mm. that is my coherence is to be able to mesh a number of different modalities. And I expect my medical team Mm. to respect each other and work together as a team, not to be told you cannot, or I don't believe in that. Uh, It's not your belief system I'm after. It is mine. So Mm. feel aligned to your own needs for your health and go forward that way, regardless of the opinions of others. And also it's a sign when I, you know, will talk to a medical doctor about natural medicine, it shows me how evolved and confident they are in themselves as a human being when they say, oh, tell me more. I don't know about that. Agreed. Yes. And we often think they know more than us. Now they do in certain areas, but we know our body. We know when something is not right. Mm. We have a gut instinct. That's how I found my melanoma. I had no indication. It Mm. was a gut instinct. So trust that. It's really important. If you're ready to age young, discover the truth about accessing the fountain of youth and claiming your best ever health, check out our beautiful website at agerebels.com where you will find freebies, programs, and more. So what's your next one? Well, it was when I, funny enough, I got a, um, an adjustment by a a naturopath. He did a, he was trying to do a thoracic spine adjustment and he flipped my head forward. And I found out the next day, um, that he'd, actually blown a disc in my neck. <gasps> I woke up about two o'clock in the morning. I was like, okay, I actually can't move my left arm, uh, right arm. Well, that must've been quite terrifying. Terrifying. And I was just, and I just opened my personal training studio. It was oh, like, I was six months, timing. six months in freezing cold Melbourne. <laughs> I was, Don't miss that. Actually, no, no, no. <laughs> and I was working night and day, just anyone who runs their own business, especially a service-based business. I was there all day and I thought, what am I going to do? And so I just, put my arm in a sling and I would hand the weights to my clients. I said, I said, you can't, no, you need to, you, you got to get this scene too. And I'm like, I'll be right, I'll be right. That was horrendous pain. And then um, one of my clients was a doctor and he said, no, okay, get an x-ray. And then I went home, he called me up and he said, I need you to lie down now and not move. You've got a really bad bulge disc. It's pushing on the nerve root. That's why you can't move your arm. And if you have any sudden movements, you could be paralyzed. And I thought, okay, this is not good. So I ended up going to um, a hospital and just that, cause I, I couldn't really look after myself and I didn't want to live with other people and things like that. So I'll just go to hospital. I had the insurance. So I'll just lie there. So I spent 10 days in hospital and the neurosurgeon would come and check every couple of days. And he said, no, you're not going to need to have an operation. Luckily, you heal really well. It's come down, but you're going to have to be very careful for a few months. So cut to a few months later, and I was able to get back into just gentle training and fantastic physiotherapist, Natalie McColl, that we used to cross-refer. And she taught me an immense amount. And she said, I want you to go and see this Feldenkrais physio. Feldenkrais is invented by... Moshe Feldenkrais, an Israeli, he was a physicist and uh, black belt judo and this absolute genius. And it's a a form of movement where there's two forms. One is where you do your own movement and the other one is functional integration where the actual practitioner moves you. And the 
the learning that I got, because I called the, the physio and I, I said, do you want me to bring my x-rays and MRIs? He said, you can if you want, but that don't mean anything to me. I said, really? I said, no, I want to see how you move. He said, bring them along, but I'll tell you when to get here. So what he explained to me, he said, and I'm, I'm pricing an hour of all of what he said, and it distilled down to this one point that I teach my clients and I still relate to now. And when I get pain, I always come back to this point of, he said, the amount of tissue damage never equates to the amount of pain. And in Laura Mimosley and sorry, the other physio, I've forgotten your name, their, their absolute fantastic Bible of pain called Explain Pain goes through all the neuroscience of, the, of this if you're, you're interested in delving into it more. And he just said to me that I'll give you a, a, a clear example. He sent me, he, he gave me a whole lot of studies to have a look at where they would um, get people who had had no back pain in their life and they would MRI their spines. And this study was repeated over and over with shoulders, knees, necks. And what they found was that, well, I'll ask you, what percentage of the people that they MRI'd, and these are people who had had no pain at all, what percentage do you think actually had a bulging disc? Oh, that's a tough question. It is. I'm just going to throw a number out there. Okay. 10%. 50. Wow. Across the Western world that you can pull anyone off the street and ask them if like, these are people who have, have never had any significant back pain and they will have a pathology that produces no pain. So that was so enlightening to me. And I've been able to share that with clients. Even one client I had yesterday who she got into a, a, a very panicked, scared state because she got a bit of a pain back. We'd I'd work with her, her MRI showed that she's got two significant disc bulges, but I explained to her that's like, that there are people with multiple disc bulges and osteoarthritis and, and they've got minimal or no pain at all. And it really calms people down to say, oh, okay, just because I've been told, and this happens quite a bit, where medical professional trying to do the right thing will say, no, you've got the neck of an 80-year-old or whatever it is, and then a person just buys into that. And what this physio did tell me, he said, here's an example. There was a guy who, he was 75 years old, he came to me and he said he had really bad back pain. And I did actually look at his x-rays and his whole spine was fused with osteoarthritis. It was Ooh. almost immovable. And he said to the, we'll call the, the farmer, the, the guy, he was Farmer Frank. He was a farmer. I said, Frank, how long have you had this pain? He goes, oh, a couple of weeks, but it bloody hurts. <laughs> <laughs> Such a farmer, <laughs> tough as nails. And what had happened was he had retired. He'd sold his farm and he'd retired about a month before. So his whole movement, purpose and everything, he just became very lost. And then it's like that's when his pain appeared. So it just goes, it, it shows that pain is so multifaceted. And what I, the main healing takeaway I got from this is that pain does not, the, the amount of damage doesn't equal pain. And pain is, as in their book, explain pain, these physios, they say pain is 100% in the brain. Yes, we have damage and pain receptors in the body, but it's in the brain. And so the more you can calm yourself, and if you're looking for someone who is, adept in this area. If you go on to the Explain Pain website, they've got a whole list of people who can help you with this. We'll put a link to that yeah. actually. I better write that down. And and also if, you know, I can help you as well, whether it's Well, we're, go we're going to talk about that in the next yes. podcast. You just yep. don't know this yet. Oh, good. I love surprises. <laughs> do you like surprises? I do. I do. <laughs> so yes. So that, that was uh, very enlightening. And to this day, it helps me. It helps clients. I've had clients burst into tears when I say to them, no, your pain is not a life sentence. This, we're going to do everything we can. And so many people that I've worked with have just said, oh, I was told this and now oh, my pain is either gone or it's minimal. So what's your one, baby? Okay. My next one yeah. is actually happened yesterday. I'm still a little sore. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I was massaged in places that I didn't know I could be massaged. Oh, yeah, you told me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. And 
Yes, mm. I. This is it. Sort of leads on from the last one where I said you need to trust yourself and you need to trust the process. So a friend of mine went to a gym, met a guy who told her about a guy after she she's been on stage a couple of times doing you know, fitness modeling, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And then she hurt her neck as a young woman significantly, mm-hmm. put her in hospital. So this particular person she met at the gym said, you've got to go see this guy yep. and we will be interviewing this guy. Oh, good. Yes, in the very near future. He is fascinating. So this guy you would never know if you met him on the street that he was so incredible at healing Mm. the human body and all of the methodologies he has studied and put together. And it all started because he was a panel beater of cars and he started to realise that cars worked very similarly to the body with his panel beating. And so he started to explore these pathways Mm. and just more and more uh, experiences and courses and programs came up in front of him. So coming back to this friend of mine who ended up in hospital with a sore neck, saw this guy, he fixed her, and I was went for a walk with her, haven't seen her for months. Mm. And I had a bit of a shoulder issue, I've had injections and all sorts of things, nothing changed. So I asked her, do you know anybody? Just an intuitive just came out, do you know anybody? She said, actually, I do. She sends me to this guy. Now, he made a mistake in his diary and he said, uh, he would book in with me tomorrow. Now, this was on Tuesday I messaged him. Wednesday was the tomorrow. Mm-hmm. He said, oh, no, no, when I got there. He said, no, it's Thursday. And I thought, I'm going to trust this too. This is for a reason. So I changed it to Thursday, showed up again Thursday. Now, it's not around the corner. It's a fair distance away. Showed up again Thursday and he said, I'm so sorry about that. I was finishing off a course and I was working very deeply in four days immersion of intuition. And I thought, how very perfect. Mm. And then he proceeded to give me two hours of treatment rather than one for the same price because of his error, mm. which was so generous and I did not Good expect that. Yeah. So what actually ended up happening was the places that I was massaged, the most people just won't go there because either they're afraid of germs or inappropriate, whatever the social paradigms are. Well, man touching a woman too. Yes, but yeah. it was in my mm-hmm. mouth. Like mm. There was a cranial massage mm. being done with pressing on and massaging areas in my mouth. Now, I can say to you, I have never felt a sense of release and relief as I did with that. And it was mm. very unusual because people normally – don't have the courage to go there or yeah. don't have the knowledge to go there mm. because it's not taught mm. normally in mainstream. But, oh, my goodness, the release in my head around my skull was unbelievable. Now I've had this clicking jaw when I eat anything like a bread roll or mm. gone from what he did. Mm. So I just trusted yeah. that this was going to be correct. Now nothing was inappropriate. I don't want to lead people up the wrong path. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. was so respectful and so professional. And he forewarned me, he asked permission for everything. Mm -hmm. There was another section that he went to that was very close into your butt crack that no Mm -hmm. one will go to, but it completely released a 12-year injury in my left hamstring. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was just, no, I feel safe here. I trust this. And it was, I honestly felt like a truck ran over me yesterday. We <laughs> were meant to record this podcast yesterday and I just was having trouble putting two words together, let alone hosting a podcast. So it was exactly what was needed. Yeah. And I instantly walked out of there feeling a little beaten and bruised, which is mm. not a bad thing at all. Yeah. But I knew things had changed. Things had shifted for me. So My lesson from all of that is trust, again, trust yourself and trust the direction you're going. But more than that, he kept saying to me in the treatment, it would start to sort of be uncomfortable, you know, Mm -hmm. finger in my mouth or whatever. It was a little bit uncomfortable on a more of a, this is unusual level, not on a painful level. And he would Mm -hmm. say, okay, now relax your body. Now relax your body. Mm. And he kept reminding my body to relax. And Mm. I had this really acute awareness of how much I was holding on 
And that was the cause of all of this discomfort and pain and misalignment and various things. So allow the healing. Yeah. If you're going for a healing of any sort, you need to allow it because yeah. we are so powerful that if we're holding on to the pain or we're holding on mm. in any way, and you're very, very much uh, in your teachings, very much aligned to this, you're not going to heal. <laughs> no. So it must be allowed. That's my second one. And that's interesting because there's, um, and this is where a decision to be made as far as, and this is one's inner work to say, am I, because I've been guilty of this, am I going to someone to say, I want you to fix me, whether it's emotionally, physically, whatever, or am I actually taking responsibility? And one thing I want to add before, when I said the naturopath um, who did the adjustment, I think we all should stay in our lane. He wasn't trained to do that. Yes, but, very important. You know, but that being said, that was just one person. Also, I take responsibility because I create my own reality that I was on the train of I'm really busy, I'm really busy, my neck sore, my back sore. I'm, I was just inflamed, not sleeping well. I was pretty much doing the opposite of what I was teaching my clients just mm-hmm. to be able to run my business. And so I was not taking responsibility to look after myself. So I don't blame him. Which goes that was back a lesson. to your first lesson. Yes. So that I'm very, very aware of when I get very busy, very tired. It's like, okay, oh, there's this new supplement or this healing or this or that instead of, no, I actually have to get back to my meditation practice mm-hmm. or whatever practice of stillness or whatever it is or get back in the ocean because I've been down there for don't, a week or whatever. Don't steal my thunder. That's my next one. <laughs> oh, okay. So, so yeah. what's your next one? Um, oh, yes. So I've recently discovered through your wonderful introduction of a woman called Carolyn Elliott who has written a book called Existential Kink. Listen to it or read it. I won't go into it today. It's quite involved. But what she did say that was so brilliant is a quote from Jung where she said, Well, Jung said, until you make your unconscious, as in the subconscious, conscious, it will rule your life and you will call it fate. And so, and then she said, if you really want to explore this, go to the work of Byron Katie. And Byron Katie has an amazing practice, four questions, and it's called The Work. And what it came back to is really telling the truth facing the truth because I've been through the process only in the last week and I seriously feel like I'm a different human being than seven days ago. I discovered that book, The Work, before mm-hmm. Existential Kink. Now, I've, oh. I was so resistant to the initial existential kink that I accidentally left it on a plane. I was like, no, no, no. And then Ooh, I actually got back to the right. went, actually, yes. <laughs> but The Work was I accidentally stumbled across that when I was moving from Victoria to Queensland and I was on the 21-hour drive and I listened to the book a lot on that drive and the same thing. It changed the way I viewed myself and life forevermore. The the level of self-responsibility and the truth was the healing. Just tell the truth and you will understand when you immerse yourself in the book, the work, but go ahead. Yeah. Because that the first question where you make a statement, for example, saying, this person isn't treating me right. And the first question is, is this true? Mm, and then, and if you really look at it and it's like, mm, and then she takes you through the process. And, but this is where they're very simple questions. And then you meditate on the question and the truth just, if you really, you have to be. We always open. know the truth. Yes. And then, and I've realized, I thought, I thought I'd done work on being a victim and I was just sitting and laughing myself going, oh my God, you're just this little baby with a full nappy going, <laughs> people aren't chitting me right now. It's like, oh my God, but it was hilarious. Yeah. Because, and also the, and the, the other thing that she said is, who would you be without your story? Mm-hmm. And when I say story, it's like where I can look back at, all of the injuries and da, 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 and, and sort of think, yeah, I don't want to buy into, well, I'm the guy who healed myself. It's like a story and you just drag it around. It's like, okay, that I don't need to drag around. Yes, I can teach people other things, but essentially, and I bring it down to this 
two facts. One is it really confronts you to tell the truth, look at the truth, know the truth with evidence. It's not just esoteric. And, oh, when Martin Luther King said, you know, the truth will set you free, you're like, oh, my God, you know, because I've been waking up for the last month, three o'clock every morning, you know, soul hour and <laughs> doing, doing the, the work. work. <laughs> yes, Shazam. <laughs> but doing the work. And, but it's, this is where it comes down to what you said, trust. There are, I'm not saying you do everything by yourself. This is a guided practice. I still love to go and see body works and things like that, but I don't go with that approach of, I need you to fix me like I'm taking my car to the mechanic. Well, this is what we spoke about yesterday, myself and this healer I went to. We are not broken. I've believed that for many, many years. We yes. are not broken. Yes. We are learning. Mm. We're not broken. We're learning. Mm. And yeah, sure, you know, I've broken a bone and it was healing, but I, as a soul, as a human, I am not broken. Do I have trauma in my history? Yes, I have lived through trauma and thank God I have. I would not be who I am today, but I was never broken. And this whole concept of you are broken or there's something that needs to be fixed per se mm. as opposed to finding solutions or finding new learnings, yeah. I think that is a sales pitch and a marketing yeah. pitch. <laughs> it is a bit, and it? it makes a lot of money for a lot of people. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with making money. But if you buy into I am broken, you are buying into victimhood. Yeah. And that was one of the things that, that came from certain things that the way people have treated me, I didn't realize. And this is where I made the unconscious conscious of like, I was still buying into this person has damaged me. I am still damaged. And I thought, no, I'm not. Every time we make those choices, we're outsourcing something yeah. and we're not trusting ourselves. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, we're all, we're all um, privy to that lesson in some way, shape or form and the mm. outsourcing of decisions mm. that were never right for us yeah. or outsourcing of outcomes because we think someone else can get us there better than we can mm. and it's never Never true. Mm, so, mm. yeah, I've certainly learned that in business. So that, that, that's my three. And the one thing I do want to say that I've found a lot of my clients have found really good when you were saying that, you know, it's healing. I, I say to people when they say, oh, this is my bad knee or my bad shoulder, I say, can we change it? My, it's not just hokey words and, and semantics to say it's my healing knee, it's my healing shoulder. Because if you say it's my bad one, it'll stay. But if it's healing, it's like, yes, and that is really taking responsibility to say, I'm going to seek the right help to be able to heal this. Well, it's a shift in mindset about what yeah. it is, isn't yeah. it? It's taking it from I'm a victim of this pain to, uh, no, I'm actually responsible for taking the lessons and healing. Yeah. And that, that's a really powerful shift. What's your third one? So my third one's super interesting. So again, it's, it's all, my big theme for this year has been trust. It's been a bit of a challenge for me in my life, trusting, because I didn't come into the world <laughs> being um, provided an example of, of what that is. So it's been a really, really interesting ride as far as that's concerned. So this year is my year of trust. And realistically, there is never a, never a time where it's not about trusting self, because if you trust yourself, you never have to worry about trusting someone else or yeah. not, because your trust in yourself will always lead you into the right direction that you're in alignment with. Mm. So you don't ever have to worry about any trusting anybody else. That includes business partners, romantic partners, you know, all of those sorts of mm. things. So I once again trusted a referral I was given by an esoteric acupuncturist very recently. And she was fascinating. So I thought, hmm, I'm going to follow the lead on this and this feels like a good path and reached out to a shaman she referred me to. Oh, this guy, yes. Yeah. Now, earlier this year, I'd put it out there that I really felt compelled to find a shaman, but there's so many charlatans. I wanted mm -hmm. to really attract to me, not seek a real deal shaman. A good, like a proper healing teacher. Yes, yeah, someone yeah. who is not all over social media, probably mm. you're only here from by referral. Yep. That's, I guess, a construct, but that's how I felt the experience would be for me. So that happened and I was referred to this person and this person is not all over social media and mm. various things. 
and has a really interesting story. And what the beauty of this person is they have walked a very human life. They have been very successful in both sport, in business and various things, and they've gone back to their roots that they knew was their essence Mm. from a very young child. But they needed to have that very human experience to be able to work with the people that that find Mm. this person, Mm. literally find them because it's all word of mouth and, you know, it's not advertised anywhere. So I went to see this person and felt a bit silly. I sort of thought, am I wasting his time Mm -hmm. by being here? Because I have nothing really I'm coming for. I'm just following my lead or the lead that's, that was put in front of oh, me. Oh, so you didn't have a specific no, saying, this is what I'd like your help with. Because I'm not broken. So I didn't really yeah, yeah, feel yeah. that there was anything. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any trauma I need help with. I've processed that, implemented the lessons, all of those mm-hmm. things. So I thought, oh, am I wasting his time? But I just feel like this is the right thing for yeah. me right now. Yeah. What transpired was the most incredible conversation. And that conversation pierce the veil of illusion that we all live in or the the mirror that we walk around with in front of our faces. Mm. We only see what we choose to see. Yeah. And he pierced through that just through conversation. We didn't have any woo-woo, wah-wah, tense medicine, none of that sort of thing. It was just an incredibly deep, one of the most connected conversations of my life. Mm. It was just so we were in a bubble of just one soul met another soul and had a conversation about truth. Mm. And what I learned from that experience was that a verbal conversation can create a shift in your energy that in itself is the healing. Yeah. So we often, as I was saying before, outsource healing to medicine or very 3D practical yep. hands-on touch feel things. Mm, mm. But it's not always. Sometimes it can be as simple as a conversation with somebody that is so deeply connecting and touches your soul to a degree that you are not the same person after the conversation as you were before the conversation. And he said to me, he's also very prophetic, and he said to me, you will be challenged next week based on this conversation. And oh Mm. my Lord, this past week week has been a whirlwind of full moon too. Full moon, yes. So I've had it all. And yeah, just an absolute whirlwind of they weren't bad challenges. They were just, cha- they just were. They just were challenges. Mm. And I had some really unexpected emotions showing up that were not welcome, but I needed to be okay with them and just sit with them and allow them. And it was a very, very interesting space to be sitting in. So he was spot on. But what he gifted me was reminded me that. Being willing to see things from a different perspective mm-hmm. and bringing me back to the power of presence was all that I needed. And how, you, you already do all that really well. I do, but I had gotten caught up in the busyness of growing a company to a new level. And that business mm-hmm. had thrust me out of presence. So coming back to presence was like pulling really sticky Velcro. Mm. off each other, you know, that really thick, sticky Velcro and trying to pull it off. It's quite difficult. It's not impossible, but it's difficult. So it's trying to, well, not trying, I don't believe in that word. So I was navigating all week through the extreme busyness and the immense pressure that that was available that I was sitting in and I was choosing and attempting to find where the presence was and how I could be in this space and present at the same time. So that's been an amazing experience and one over the thi- week. One thing that you did really well was you set really good boundaries. Like, for example, we had times to meet and then something like blew up and you had to attend to it. And you just said, hey, this has got to take priority because if we, like yesterday, for example, yes. you said, okay, look, I'm going to fit the podcast in here. And, and you said, I'm really tired. It's like, there is no rush. Don't need. So the, and the reason I'm saying this is because of what's going on in the world right now and all of the financial stuff and AI and all of that things, people are getting really pulled back into the material world. Absolutely. 
And then they, you just get caught on the treadmill until you get spat off the end with a crisis physically, emotionally, or whatever, you know. Absolutely. And for me, I know my truth is that I do not renege on my obligations or my, my commitments unless there is a very good yeah. reason. And yeah. I will never make an apology for honoring myself because yep. that got me in an awful lot of health trouble in mm. the past and I will never do that again. Yeah. So if my body is saying to me, I push it hard enough, if it is saying today there is another priority and that sometimes might mean rest, then that is absolutely what it needs to be. And anyone that has a problem with that, that's on them. Yep. And um, because anyone who knows me knows that I pull out more doing than most people I know. (laughs) And whenever, and I, what, and the, the philosophy that I've lived by and when changes happen, I come back to Saladin Rumi, the 13th century mm. Persian poet. Is it 12th century? I get it's mixed up. Uh, he said, live life as though everything is rigged in your favour. That is my all-time favourite thing you've shared with me and I've adopted that and as well. It's amazing when you, when it's like, instead of like, oh, damn, you're like, no, no, get excited. Wow, something really cool is going to happen. This is a better path. And regardless of whether you believe it or not, it always works out better. Do you know, since I adopted that from you, 100% of the time, because again, we go back to perspective, my last lesson, perspective. Yeah. My perspective is exactly what Rumi says, that everything mm. is rigged in my favour and 100% of the time it is. And when you cancelled yesterday, it opened up this space for me to discover something that with my own inner work, it was like, oh my God, that was brilliant. And had that not happened, and it was, a, it was just one of those perfect moments. So. Yeah, and my language is I did not cancel, I rescheduled. Actually, you did. Yes. I rescheduled it to today. Actually, yeah. Thank you. Mm. Yeah. So didn't there cancel at all. Yes. No, yeah. I didn't. I fulfilled my commitment. Yeah, you sure did. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's good because the thing is it's – and that's what I talk about boundaries. It's not saying, no, you use the wrong word. It's – no, I rescheduled. I think, oh, yeah. And we often operate mm. from other people's expectations and that is that can be really damaging because then you go into guilt and you go into low vibrational mm-hmm. emotions and they're not yours. They're yeah. other people's expectations and yep. they're not yours to own. It's for them to deal with. Yeah. So that's part of the work, the Byron Katie, mm-hmm. the work. Then they need to go and ask the four questions. So yeah. there is an app called The Work, which I will put a link in the show notes. But that's it for today. Yes, ma'am. All right. Thanks for listening. Ciao, ciao, ciao. Hey, rate and review us and we'll love you even more. Thanks for joining this podcast. Want to take the conversation further and learn more about how to live an energised and pain-free life as you age? Then jump into our website at agerebels.com. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Age Rebels Revolution. Revolution.